Hi there. Welcome back to my podcast, Up to Some Good. It's been a while since I recorded my last podcast. I can't believe we're into the last month of the year already. 2020 has definitely been a whirlwind of a year for everyone. Nevertheless, I'm still very grateful to have been able to launch Up to Some Good this year and to have met so many inspiring people during podcasting. Today is the first time I'm recording a podcast virtually on Zoom. My guest today is Brian Relly, founder of Muse, a company he founded in 2018 in Hong Kong. Brian founded Muse with the goal of reducing single-use plastics in the F&B industry by creating a rent and return system of reusable containers. The process is simple. Clients just need to download the Muse app, borrow an item by scanning the QR code, enjoy their meal, then return the container to any of Muse's cafes or partners in the city. Before launching Muse, Brian dedicated the first 13 years of his career to the renewable energy industry before shifting his focus to reduce global plastic pollution. Brian is speaking with me all the way from New York today. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for joining me today on Up to Some Good. So I want to ask you a little bit more about the story behind starting Muse and the inspiration behind it. Sure, sure. Well, it started, let's see, in April 2018. I was on a plane flying back from Shanghai to Hong Kong, and I had been noticing so many articles and so much concern growing all around the world about single-use plastics. And and you were starting to see kind of small movements, you know, businesses looking to shift away from single-use. And I, I was thinking about, you know, various solutions to it because when there's that much concern happening around the world, when I mean, you kind of see that, it, it, it generally means that so much positive change is coming. And you could see how, you know, how much people were ready to, to start making changes. So I, I was thinking about ways that you might be able to, you know, to shift past this. And, and the, the thought occurred to me that in restaurants, we're, we, we use the same cups and we use the same plates and, and we've been doing that so long. And really a city, if you zoomed out and looked at it, was almost a big restaurant. You had delivery drivers already moving around. And if you could simply come in and, and really start help coordinating things, you could shift to more of a, a, a reusable culture, which, you know, as you, as you really understand that the volumes of single use that we're using collectively, mm-hmm. whether that's you know, bottles, whether that's our coffee cups, whether that's our takeaway containers. I mean, the numbers are so, so, so large. So if you can just shift to a more sustainable model, it makes a a huge impact. So once the idea hit me, I just simply thought it was cool. And I was coming from first five or six years in the wind energy industry. And I joined Mm -hmm. that, you know, right out of university. I I, I did a physics thesis on wind energy and saw that industry at a super, super like young, young time. And then, yeah, and watched it exponentially, you know, grow into like a proper industry. And then I shifted over to solar around 2009 when that was super small industry. And then similarly got to experience that go through, you know, quite a large rise. So with this reusable industry and with the you know the various efforts to to shift past single use you could just you could tell this was going to become kind of a, a major effort but one that also was really in need of some people shifting into it early and you know committing their time and energy to it and since that idea on the airplane I've been so fortunate to have such an, an incredible team and kind of growing communities you know supporting us that are all just super sincere about introducing doable actionable ways that we can really start start improving the, the ecosystems and making measured impacts. 
So right. Yeah. I actually just was wondering, going back to your background where you had experience in wind and solar renewable energy, I was wondering how come you decided to shift to focusing on single-use plastics? Because wind and solar energy is also about sustainability. It's also about energy, well, energy reuse and giving back to the environment. So is there a reason why you decided to shift your focus on, on another sort of, not industry, but another <laughs> environmental issue? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question. It's a question yeah. my dad would ask me quite a lot, actually, because I've had a tendency, you know, I really like the industries when they're in their nascent stages, when they're when they're especially vulnerable, they're just starting. It's, uh, it's a real passion-driven person. A lot of times the economics don't really quite make sense yet, but you can see this tremendous like excitement and fervor behind it. So it's, you know, it's a stage of the industry that's vulnerable. It, you know, it needs people taking chances on it. So I think I inherently enjoy that. And I've also really enjoyed learning a bunch of different things. So I was with wind during that, that phase then with solar during that phase, as my dad in particular would always say, he's like, you know, if you just stayed with this industry that you, you really could have done well in it, but it's been exciting to, to, to shift around and, and, and really to get to learn a lot of things. But I, really liked about the reusables industry or what I've been enjoying relative to, to energy. When you're developing a wind project, it's like a three-year effort. You know, it's really like a lot of time, energy, methodically towards kind of one big project that gets built. Solar is a mm. little bit shorter, but still, you know, a minimum year, year and a half when you're when you're developing one of these to fruition. Mm. These, these projects were running in cities like you know, right away, three months after we started, we were actually testing it and, and we were iterating, we were starting to learn. So there's a real immediacy to this one and, um, mm-hmm. and also super approachable. Like, you know, at the end of the day, these are tangible products that were, you know, that were, that were kind of shifting yeah. into communities and, and that are, that are standing for this, this message and this effort. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really meaningful. Right, right. I understand. I guess sometimes it's it's just being able to visually, uh, not visually, but being able to experience the results more quickly is there's yeah. more of a satisfaction to it. And it is mm-hmm. true that the single-use plastic issue is very immediate and it's a lot of what people are talking about right now. And it's big behavioral change, you know, mm. moving away from like, I'm going to get my coffee, drink it out of this cup for 10 minutes and then really put this cup anywhere, like in any trash can to I'm going to now take a product, I'm going to be more accountable and aware of it. And then when I'm done with it, I'm going to take it back to a a different specific place, but just kind of like asking for a little bit more attention and that type of behavior change. It's, you know, it's, it's a worthwhile effort. Yeah. And I understand you started Muse in Singapore. Is that correct? In Hong Kong, actually. Oh, I you started, started in, Hong, in Hong, Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah. That's yeah, weird because first... I remember you during our first discussion when you mentioned that in Hong Kong, you only have pilots, but in Singapore, it's where the whole system is in place. Well, so we actually, we started the company in Hong Kong. We decided to do our first project in Bali. Ah. Um, as we were learning, we wanted a, a really like a slower, lower volume environment and a place also where, I mean, the need was so immediate. I mean, the, the, the plastic is washing up on the beaches there consistently. Mm. The rivers are in a really like overwhelmed state. I mean, you go down to the river behind where we used to live and where our office was, and it was just plastic literally everywhere covering the banks. Like, in, and we're talking wrappers, and bottles and things like that. So like, you know, you're stressed out. It's like, you know, month nine, you're not sure, like, you know, how you're going to do this, but you just go behind this, this place and you look at this river and you're like, okay, yeah, this is why we're doing this. Yeah. So that Mm. was a great place to start. But then we, you know, we started doing projects in Hong Kong, Singapore. We were running a project in San Francisco as well. 
but particularly this year, Singapore really became kind of mm-hmm. like our primary focus. So we're, yeah, we're in about 60 cafes yeah. there and we're working Amazing. with food delivery operators. But yeah. yeah, our Hong Kong project is really going well. Yeah, I did. I was just in Corey Bay the other day and I saw a Muse station, like a pop-up. Awesome. So how was the initial reception when you first launched it in Bali and then in Singapore? Did you find it easy to pitch to uh, the restaurants and food delivery companies or it, it took some work to implement it? Well, you know, I think when you start any company or have any idea, you know, that you're really excited about, you know, you're thinking about it so much in that beginning time. And so you have all of these, you know, ideas with how it's going to work. And it's so healthy to just start testing it, to start doing it. So in the beginning, we were so excited. Restaurants and businesses and cafes were were pretty supportive. I mean, especially there, because the, you feel the single-use plastic so much and, and really an eco-conscious community. So... I remember launching our first place that we were like so worried that we weren't ready, that like these were going to go so fast, the volumes were going to be so high. And it was a little slow to start, to be honest. Like it was, you know, it took a while. It took getting a number of restaurants and cafes on board and really Mm -hmm. tweaking things. But yeah, we were super well supported um, by Mm -hmm. our cafe partners and communities, you know, since the start. And at the same time, we've learned so much from that first project. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And for listeners who aren't as familiar with how Muse works, can you explain to me a little bit about the process? Yes. I mean, it's super simple. So you have our our mobile app on your phone. And when you pull that up, you can see like right away a map of all of the different places that, that carry Muse products. Or you can go to this really nice list view where you see the restaurant, the hours, a little bit more descriptions. Right from there, you can actually, you know, you can click on either grab food or food panda and go directly to be able to order uh, that food from that cafe, have it delivered to you and, you know, and used to go containers. Or if you're walking in, you go to your favorite coffee shop, your eatery, and whether it's, you know, you're taking your coffee to go, or you're taking food to go, you just with your phone scan the QR code on the, on the cup or container. It just, it says, yes, good to go. You take your food in that, and then when you're done with it, you take it back to any of those 60 restaurants and cafes. It does not have to be the one that you you took it out of, and you simply return it there. and And the platform just registers that you know that you had the product. Now, if you don't return it in 30 days and after a couple emails from us, you would incur mm-hmm. a penalty charge for that. But but yeah. otherwise, it's you know it's just part of your service. Yeah. Wow, that's actually really simple. Super simple. It doesn't take that much work as well. No, and that's for the consumer. But then on the back end, you know, we know how many cups and to-go containers are at each one of those restaurants, the state they're in. So you have a nice inventory management, you know, Mm -hmm. set up running at the same time. So, yeah. Mm. So what would you say is the most challenging part of starting up Muse? Would you say it's (laughs) more realistic, uh, related to the logistics and inventory back end to make sure everything is put in place or more the pitching to the restaurants, getting them on board? Yeah, I think, you know, it was an ambitious business in the sense that we were developing products, we were developing software and technology, we were Mm -hmm. developing hardware and sensors, and then really new operational manuals and like building a brand. So it was like a a, big Yeah, and also sort of initiating new behavior, like it's a whole... Behavioral change. change. Yeah, fundamental behavioral change. And all the while, you know, it's a fair amount of work for what's relatively little effort. You know, the single-use cup costs anywhere from 10 to 25 cents, 25 cents on like the high-end compostable ones. But let's say like 10 cents US for, you know, the, the largely the, the single use coffee cups you're taking. So that's really like our avoided cost. We need to do all of this stuff 
and, and present this service at a value to the restaurant that's roughly around that. So that's, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a big effort at this, at this early stage. You know, there's, I think, simpler revenue generating businesses out there for sure, but this one has tremendous impact. And as the volume and the scale comes to it, it's going to be, I mean, a tremendous, you know, it's, it's, it's going to really make sense. It's one of those systems that as it expands, it gets, you know, more efficient and then inherently expands more. So, right. So do you know whether for the restaurants and the, the partners that you work with already, whether they've completely switched to just use, using your products, like the containers and the cups, or whether they also still use some single use uh, material for certain things? Yeah. yeah, we don't have any that are exclusively doing reusable uh, products, mm-hmm. reused products at this point. I think we'll see a lot more of that. I, I think yeah, it's still a good think, start, obviously. Sure. It's yeah. a great start. Yeah. So you know how you said you also work with food delivery companies. So does that mean that the restaurants and partners actually fill up your containers with the food and then the delivery companies deliver to people? And then so the people can just return it to the restaurant partners whenever. Yeah. Oh, I we, see. We'd like wow. to we'd like we're gonna to work towards where you could also schedule Absolutely amazing. So a, a delivery driver comes and picks up the, the reusable containers. Okay. Well. Sometimes people might argue that I don't know, like I just see a possible argue, argument is that people will say then you'll you'll also be causing pollution through through the additional delivery. Like you you know, the the food delivery people trying to come back and pick up the the products. Like what would you say yeah. to that? So I think five years from now, what this is going to look like is, you know, it's not just going to be your food to go containers or your coffee cups or your bottles, but it's going to be your shampoos, your makeups, your, let's say, milk containers, your laundry detergents are all going to start coming in reusable or refillable containers. And at that point, we'll have a separate bin in our house. Yeah. That's yeah. It's not our recycling bin. It's our reusable, refillable bin. And we'll have specialized trash cans. I mean, you can picture it in Hong Kong so well when we have those beautiful trash cans that have like the five different things. There'll be another one for these reusables, refillables. And the only difference will be they're not going to get melted down. They're just going to get properly cleaned, washed, and sanitized. So that's I mean, so necessary. Like it'll be yeah, like a... A circular, the circular system. Yeah, and like, you know, recycling has been a good effort, you know, hasn't worked nearly as well as the collective we had hoped in the last, you know, 30 or four years. And really quite simply, like, there is a better and more, you know, simple, efficient, secure way to clean something than to melt it down and make it into a new product. Like we we can clean, wash, sanitize, sterilize in, in, in really powerful ways and just use materials more efficiently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. And sometimes I just, it's a little overwhelming sometimes with, so say some of my containers or my makeup containers and everything like that, I don't really know how to recycle because there are so many different types yeah. of plastics as well. Like I don't even, I don't even know whether this type of plastic is recyclable. And if I accidentally throw it in the recycle bin, it might sort of make the rest of the plastic unrecyclable as well. So I think that's yeah. always a difficulty. And this this whole system is something that there's more work to be done in order to educate people, I think. But then I have heard of this company in the US called TerraCycle. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it. And I think they sure. what they do is really amazing because they, they give you boxes for different types of 
products. Like for instance, if you have makeup containers, they have one box where you can collect all the makeup containers and send it back to them and they'll deal with it. And I think that just solves a lot of headache and makes it makes you more at ease that you know that at least you won't be contaminating anything else. Yeah. Have you thought about doing something like that instead? So that's like a, a larger scale system, I guess. I mean, so yeah, so Tom and TerraCycle, you know, I mean, I hand it to them. They've been in this business for 18 years doing that. And there's another really amazing outfit out of Korea. Their name is escaping me that are also exceptional. And they're taking materials that, that aren't easily recycled. In some instances, can't be recycled. And they're finding ways to use them. So they're putting them into playgrounds. They're putting them into like... Sorry, this is another you know, company real- in Korea, right? Well, they're, and it's a similar similar business model. You know, they're they're creating accountability for them, like from the moment you buy them, they have their label on them, so you know where they're going. And then they're downcycling them into something, or they're you know they're 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 putting them to use. Recycles also now you know really starting to move into the reuse space, doing some really mm. cool projects under under the brand called Loop. And you know, and I, I just have tremendous respect for what they're doing. You know, exactly, they're really, me too. Yeah. So I think that's a great business plan. And I think that's been super important. Promoting this fully circular economy system, though, I, I think, you know, is, is, is where we're going to put our time and our energy one step further. It's not like now my makeup container, I used it. And now it's like, you know, going into something else. It's no, like how many times can we have that makeup container be used properly? Exactly. And, uh, and, then, and then at the end of that, how do we really think about what we do with this makeup container now? So like, you know, we've just cut the volume of makeup containers probably by, you know, 500 or so for properly using these. And then we can really be intentional about what we're doing with that in its final stage. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really necessary too. But I think, I guess initially it really does take a lot of behavioral changing and some effort because it's just intuitive sometimes. Like you finish using something and then you throw it away. Like it's easy. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, but let's be serious, like on a personal level, like, you know, really being diligent about recycling, starting to compost, that. starting to become more aware of what my footprint is, you know, especially as I'm traveling. As I'm yeah, in yeah. Cities. Like, it's hard. It I mean, is overwhelming. Really, it is. <laughs> but at the same time, I think once you bring awareness into it and you start, you know, you start even making small changes, it feels good. It feels like, well, you know, I'm actually taking a step in the right direction. So I, I, I think there's tremendous benefit and, and tremendous self-benefit that, that comes mm. along with it. And for people who just want to start leading a more sustainable lifestyle, do you have any advice for them? Like, how did you initially start? Did you start off with bringing out your own containers or start composting? Or is there a single point at which you start? Or did you just had a quite a drastic shift in lifestyle where you decided to do everything at once? Yeah, I mean, with this one, with, with single-use plastics, you know, I, I like 13 years of my life had been in renewable energy. So I was super passionate about that. I thought about that so much. When I started in this world three years ago, I was kind of new to it. But right away, I stopped using any, any single-use bottles. So that one, I cut out right away. No more water bottles, no more soda bottles. And, you know, sometimes I'd find myself where I really wanted a water. And, and the only thing I could get was a soda water in the can. But that was actually like a really nice way to do it. So I, I did that at first just to really bring more awareness into it. And then I, from there, like try to be more mindful when I'm buying, you know, single use packaging and things like that. Now there's the, the really taking it steps further. I don't know if you know Hannah Chung in Hong Kong, exceptional person. And she's led a zero waste lifestyle now for mm-hmm. four years where her trash fits in like the size of a jar on an annual basis. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's she's... really taking me. But yeah, I really respect like, that. 
Yeah, I just, you know, started recycling, went to recycling centers and, and really started to understand how the trash process works, how the, how the recycling process works, what I'm contributing to it, starting to compost. And mm. really just to start be a lot more aware. Right. So you started composting. You have your own at-home compost in, in Bali? In Bali, yeah. But I guess with composting, you need to be to use things that are compostable in the first place. Whereas sometimes yeah, in Hong well, Kong, there's a lot that still you can't even compost it. And I think that's a little bit of a barrier as well. Yeah. And I was in San Francisco, for example, like you actually get a small compost bin. So there, there's municipal Do you? compost. And, yeah, which is neat to see. And then they're taking that compost and they're actually using it in farms and using it in the field. Oh, wow. So you get a compost per household and then and then there will be someone they'll, to collect it every, every week or come, every month? Once a week, they'll collect the compost. Then it's taken to a facility where that compost is like really kind of worked on and broken down properly. And then the nutrient rich soil goes up to, goes to the Central Valley of California. It's going up to wineries. It's going, you know, to the olive farms. That is so amazing. Wow. That is the whole city of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So what about in New York? I mean, like when you go back to the States, do you notice difference in terms of environmental awareness and just leading a sustainable lifestyle? Is there a big difference between the States and in Asia, like in Bali or Singapore where you were based? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the movements in Hong Kong and Singapore are, you know, are pretty sincere. A lot of people are, are, are doing wonderful things in this regard. So I, I think there's been a lot of leadership. I think there's more of like a technology appreciation and almost like a faster kind of learning curve and pace of life. So these new concepts like people understand QR codes right away in, in mm. Singapore and Hong Kong. Whereas in the U.S., you know, they're kind of like coming along in that regard. Um, really? In a place, yeah, but then in a place like California, you've been environmental leaders for so long. So, mm. you know, they, they were passing some really progressive legislation, single-use taxes, so that there would be, you know, a 25-cent U.S. tax if you were taking your product in a single-use container, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But quite frankly, the U.S. has had a really hard 2020, you know, relative to other parts of the world. So things yeah, are, for sure. are definitely, definitely more shut down this year and just slowed down in general. So in terms of the taxes, do you mean they tax... So when you buy a product with single-use plastic, they tax you? Think about like, you know, the, the single-use, you know, bags, you know, and, and kind of what's happened with those. Like in a lot of places, what they'll do is like, you can still take your plastic bag, but they're going to charge you 10 cents, let's say U.S. Mm. There, it's that same principle, but doing it with, with single-use products. Mm. I wonder if people, like if they thought of taxing the manufacturers and the companies producing these items instead, instead of the the consumer sometimes. Because I did have a conversation with another guest and they were talking about how, yes, it is the consumer's responsibility, but at the same time, the people, the big corporates, the manufacturers actually to an extent have a bigger responsibility because they have they have the power to make bigger changes. Like we shouldn't always like put the burden on the consumers to make the changes. Yeah, yeah I just think I that's mean, an interesting argument too. Yeah, one of my coworkers always said, well, listen, in the end, the customer always pays. You know, it's most efficient, like let's be upfront about that. But I completely agree. And I, I think there are examples, especially in the consumer packaged goods industry where those taxes are levied and they're paying into recycling programs or paying into municipal waste just to mm-hmm. proactively, yeah, sure. you know, account for for how they're selling their products. But I completely agree. And I think, 
the end of the day, though, it's up to us to hold businesses accountable and responsible. Like, if we really care this much, then we stop buying their products. But, you know, we're almost complacent in just continuing to support things. So, yeah. And so before I ask you a few up to some good questions to end with, I know last time you mentioned that you guys would like to go into also providing bottles and maybe shampoo containers and other types of containers. So what's coming next for Muse? Yeah, so right now, as we close this crazy year, we're you know fully operational in Singapore. We're operational in Jakarta through a joint venture with the wonderful team Enview. We're you know a month into a really wonderful partnership with Swire in Hong Kong. We were paused in San Francisco and we're about to launch with a partner in Canada in Toronto. So that's all, yeah, that's all doing these city networks, you know, moving into delivery partnerships. I think, you know, we have interest from a number of teams around the world that would also like to take news in the system and the software to their cities. So I think we'll probably bring on about three new regions next year. And then I think we'll, you know, expand in each of our cities, like really kind of like you know, refine our product market fit, introduce bottles. And then I think getting into supermarkets, getting into consumer packaged goods, and just starting to help track an increasing number of these reusable and refillable products Mm -hmm. will be where we go next. Well, by getting into supermarkets, how do you think that works? You mean, so you'll be using the containers in the supermarkets or providing containers in sort of zero waste stores? But just starting to help track as more products start moving into reusable or refillable containers, just, just really helping mm. to track that, helping to be the kind of software that helps that out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, yeah, there's I definitely a lot of logistics behind that, but I'm so excited yeah, and I really I would love to year. meet you in person. Yeah, I think we'll be in probably, I would guess, yeah, we'll be in a, in a growing number of markets. It'll be really yeah, exciting yeah. And, and really getting a lot better in each market too. Okay, so before I end the podcast, I always ask my guests three questions. And the first okay. question is, what do you like doing when you're up to no good? When I'm up to no good, that's a great question. Let's see, when I'm up to no good, well, I've been somebody who, is, who has been really fortunate to enjoy a number of good times in life. I'm thankful to have friends all around the world. So I'd say being in a new city or a really interesting city, you know, being out with, with wonderful people, people who really kind of inspire you and at the same time are really there to support you and have, have, have been through it themselves, probably enjoying some good electronic music, a really nice meal and, and yeah, mm-hmm. just wonderful company, but ideally in a place that's, you know, far away or new or exciting or interesting. Right. So it would be to listen to some EDM as always said, and then enjoying time with your friends. That's not even, I guess that's not really up to no good. That's just enjoying yeah, the pleasures in life. But I, I like yeah, that. That's yeah. still, still a good answer. Secondly, if I gave Muse a million US right now, US dollars right now, what would you do with it? I, I know you have a lot of different things you want to achieve, but... Well, it's, it's, it's a great question as we're in the middle of a fundraise right now. So what will we do with the resources? Um, right away, I think we'll, we'll bring on somebody who's a bit more product focused so we can really kind of refine the physical mm-hmm. side of our products. Like mm. our, our software platform and the technology we've developed is absolutely exceptional. And it's like such a wonderful back end. But now putting some more attention on, yeah, on the products, I think would really help. The containers? 
The containers, the, yeah. The, the, and starting to expand partnerships with consumer packaged goods companies and, you know, let's say like drink manufacturers so that we can move into bottles, so that we can move into the, you know, the makeups, the, mm-hmm. the detergents, the, the, the products like that. So I think that will help us tremendously. And then, I mean, our team, you know, it's, we're almost three years and, and, and people have been working for like true love and true belief in this, but like any startup company, you know, the salaries have been efficient. So just supporting our, our exceptional team a bit more yeah, um, right yeah. away. Yeah, of course. definitely. Um, necessary. And then, and, and we've all been kind of working like o- overtime now as, as you do in a startup. And I think just adding some, some, some additional resources would be mm-hmm. wonderful. Oh, and we'll really put some more time and energy into developing our return stations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the public infrastructure that can go out in cities and take these, these products back. Yeah, makes sense. So I, I hope you'll be able to get good funding for that. Of course. So ha- have you been doing a lot of the pitching to investors virtually as well? Yeah, I mean, this has been great for that. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is the year that the whole world learned how to remote work, which is incredible. Like, and it's amazing how fast we all picked this up. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we had been doing this for the last two and a half years is we're scattered all over the world. So we're two in Europe, three in Singapore, one in Hong Kong, one in San Francisco, one in Vancouver. So we were spread out. So it's always been this for us mm-hmm, but it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so nice to have this, have this yeah more. exactly and we can do things like this okay last question so what is a brand that you think has been up to some good recently preferably up in Asia recently. since, since oh, we're Asia based I mean I love Green is the New Black they're, they're, Green they're is the New Black favorites. Yeah, I mean, Paul and Steph, they're really close friends, but just how well they network and bring together the sustainability community and, and, and really shine lights on, on so many people who are doing wonderful things. I, yeah, I'm such, such wonderful, you know, fans. So f- from what I understand, them. just for the listeners, I think Green is New Black is a, a news platform for yep. sustainability related news. And they're also, do they have a, an e-commerce retail part as well? Well, they do their products. conscious festival where they they'll highlight a number of different okay you know, yeah yeah, yeah. selling sustainable mm. intentional goods and the other one I would say is Craig Leeson and the new film he has coming out on the last glacier I'm really 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 excited Sorry, what's about his name? that Craig Leeson Craig Leeson okay is this a documentary uh, the last glacier yeah the last glacier okay I'll definitely check it out so thank you so much Brian for Thank you. Being on the podcast today, making time all the way uh, from New York. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Up to Some Good. If you want to find out more about Muse, you can find Muse's website and Instagram handles in the description below. Remember to be as sustainable as possible during this season of giving. Whether it's wrapping your gifts in fabric or making some gift tags from recycled paper, there is definitely something you can do to reduce waste. So remember to check our Instagram for more updates. In the meantime, I hope you're staying safe and healthy and that you'll at least be able to spend some time with your family and friends on Zoom. 